Welcome to Midsummer and Autumn Methodist Church. We hope you enjoy this podcast. And so we're going to spend some time reflecting on these words from John's Gospel, chapter 21, particularly focusing on the person of Peter. And if you're the sort of person who likes uh, a text, Uh, I'm going to use uh, verse 16, which is going to come up on the screen. Simon, son of John, do you love me? Um, I'm indebted to the person, I still don't know who it is, uh, but I'm indebted to the person who, a number of years ago, mentioned that in their wedding preparation, the minister had never asked them if they loved each other. My debt is that I had fallen into the same assumption, that when two people come to be married, of course they love each other, otherwise why are they there? And uh, I had to change my practice and my preparation uh, so that not, uh, I not only asked couples if they loved each other, but also asked them how they showed that. I'm reminded of the story, and you thought you got away with it, but no, here we go. I'm reminded of the story of two television aerials who got married the other day. The ceremony was quite normal, but the reception was excellent. Well, it seems that the situation between Peter and Jesus is exactly the same. It had been assumed that because Peter was a disciple, he loved Jesus. However, he had a very strange way of showing it. I want to focus this morning on this question which Jesus asked of uh, Peter. Do you love me? Notice that in the text, Jesus doesn't call him Peter. He says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? That was the name that had been used when Peter was first called by Jesus. If you look in John and chapter 1, Andrew had brought his brother Simon to Jesus. And in verse 41 it says, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one or two who had heard what John had said and who had followed Jesus. The first thing Andrew did was to find his brother Simon and tell him, We have found the Messiah, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, You are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which, when translated, is Peter. There's a link there to that first moment when he met uh, Jesus and followed him as a disciple. So it's no insignificant fact that Jesus goes back to that moment and says, Simon, son of John, do you love me? The next thing we're told is that in Matthew chapter 16, Simon Peter's there when Jesus says, who do you say I am? Peter blurts it out. You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus goes on to say, You haven't worked out that yourself, but God has given you that revelation. But Peter, you're going to be the rock on which I build my church. 
Then moving on a little bit, we have the story in John's Gospel and chapter 13, where Jesus predicts Peter's denial. Peter protests, never, Lord, I will lay down my life for you. And it's not long afterwards that Peter is found in the courtyard denying Jesus three times with that cock crowing in his ear at that moment. That was the last scene between Jesus and Peter in their relationship in terms of a one-to-one -one, uh, encounter, as it were. From a protest of total commitment, Peter quickly denies Jesus. If Peter was to be that rock on which Jesus would build his church, there needed to be a moment of reconciliation and of reinstatement. So when Jesus calls him Simon, he's not facing him as the rock on which he was going to build his church, which Peter had failed to live up to on the first test. Rather, he was facing up to Jesus as Simon, with all his human limitations, so that he might entrust himself in a new way to Christ's leadership. Therefore, this was a very personal and vulnerable time for Peter. His past was catching up with him, and in order to fulfil the promise of Jesus, there had to be a facing up to that past and a recommitment to the future. Some of us know that in practice, in our own lives, in which something which has happened in our past, sometimes we have to face up to it. And it's a very personal and vulnerable moment for us when we have to do that, especially if we have to do it face to face with um, somebody. I remember a number of years ago, um, I, I can't remember what it was, uh, but I used to love going to see my gran every week. Many of you will have heard the story, especially I used to go on a Monday morning because Monday was wash day for my grandma. And not only was Monday wash day, but while she did her washing in her tub there and a little spin dryer uh, in that, uh, she would be making a homemade rice pudding. Wow, it was wonderful, I tell you now. Uh, but something happened, and I, I can't even remember what it was which meant I stopped going to see my gran on a weekly basis. And as the weeks rolled on, um, and I must have been quite young, probably seven or eight, I guess. As the weeks rolled on, I started to think, this is silly. Was whatever caused it so significant that it means I'm no longer going around to my gran's? <laughs> The rice pudding okay was a side issue. It wasn't the only reason I wanted to go back to my grand's, but I, I missed my grand. And so I remember making a decision as a young seven or eight year old, actually, I've no idea what I'm gonna to say to my grand, but I needed to go back and meet with her. And the wonderful thing was my grand's love meant that it was no big thing. She just welcomed me back and the relationship was restored. But that moment was a very personal and vulnerable moment for me. And I guess it's whatever you're thinking of now, it's a very vulnerable and personal moment for you. It was for Peter. And as we think of our illustrations, we enter into what it felt like for Peter. 
The second thing we note about this passage is that Jesus asks Simon, do you love me? I wonder why he asked Peter this three times. I'm guessing it wasn't because, as some have suggested, that Jesus had to sort of attract Simon's attention. Um, you ladies out there will probably know the reality um, that we men sometimes, especially for example if we're keen on sport and the sport on the television, um, it's really hard to attract our attention, especially if our favourite football team or if we're following golf, for example, our favourite golfer or whatever it might be. Uh, it's it's almost impossible to get our attention. And, and the conversation goes something like this. The wife says, are you coming to set the table for tea? The husband says, well, yeah, in a minute, dear. And the wife says, come, come and help set the table uh, for tea. The husband says, I'll just, just watch this next bit. And the wife says, if you don't come and help set the table for tea, I can't serve up your tea. And at that moment, the husband goes and sets the table. Interesting how when uh, ladies appeal to men's stomachs, often it causes actions. But they're, they're, in, they're essentially in that they're trying to attract the attention of. And I don't think this is the case here. Jesus is not trying to attract the attention of Simon. He's already got that. The context they are in means that they are sharing in a meal together, this most intimate of experiences in Jesus' days. He'd already got his attention, so it can't be for that reason that Jesus asked three times. The most popular thinking on this is that it is reference to the three times that Peter denied Jesus. Somehow, those three moments of denial, as it were, had to be undone by three positive statements of love for Jesus. The past has to be faced, which would have been painful for Peter, so that the future could be lived in. The barrier of failure and sin, of deceit and denial, had to be removed so that Peter could be the rock on which the church would move forward. So that may well be why Jesus asked Peter three times. The third thing to note in this is that the issue is love. Jesus doesn't ask Simon, do you believe in me? Or do you trust me? Or can we be friends again? The issue is, do you love me? Let's go back to our wedding preparation scenario. The issue is not, are you compatible? Or do you have similar interests? The question is, do you love each other? John, in earlier in his Gospel in chapter 15, had reminded us of the essential ingredient in the relationship between Jesus and his disciple. In verses 9 and 10 of that chapter, As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you obey my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have obeyed my Father's commands, and remain in my love. Same with that reading from Deuteronomy we had earlier on. The issue is love. 
Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. The issue isn't believe in or think I'm a good sort of person. The issue is love the Lord your God. And you were to be reminded of that wherever you moved in the house. Because the issue is, do you love me? And the last thing we notice about this passage is that love is the springboard for work to be done. Jesus connects two important truths here about Christian faith. First, that love for God is the inspiration for service. So, for example, when people are working uh, in our food banks and people say, why are you doing this? It isn't so that people can have good names in the community. It's as a response to God's love for us. Love for God is the inspiration for service. And if as Christians um, we have any other inspiration for service, then maybe we've got it slightly wrong. Do you love me is followed swiftly by a call to service. Feed my sheep. The second thing is, and I guess this is the other way around of it, that Christian service is the fulfilment of God's love. Only in a practical working out of that love through service can Christians fulfil that love. So we go back to our wedding preparation. To answer the question, do you love each other, has received up to now, you'll be glad to hear, unanimous agreement. However, the question, how do you show that love, is the one that sometimes gets them, shall we say, a little bit tongue-tied. They may have well agree to the statement or the fluttering of the heart about love, but what about how that works in practice? You see, loving somebody is not just a statement. It's a doing word. Love, to love somebody, is to put that into practice in all kinds of ways. Jesus, through reinstating Simon in this passage, was not only being assured of Peter's love, undoing the denial, as it were, he was also making the important principle to Peter. Okay, you've made that statement. You know that I love you, Lord. He's saying, okay, that's brilliant. But now go and prove it. Go and show it. And it's only after this has been said, as you notice in this passage, that Jesus says in verse 19, then he said to him, follow me. The reinstatement comes after that lesson on loving Jesus. It's not only a head, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. But it's also, go and put that into practice then. So what does this say to us whether we're Christians or whether we're thinking about becoming Christians or whether we're, whether we're reflecting what the Christian journey is about, I want to share with you these three things which I think it says to us this morning. First thing is, is that we need to deal with our past. 
Peter has to, though very painfully, face up to his past mistakes and sin in order to be free to serve. And I wonder, are there things in your life, are there things in my life that we're not able to let go of, that we need to, so that we can then be free to serve God fully? I once heard that the definition of a balanced person is someone with a chip on both shoulders. Well, we're not to be people as Christians of chips. We're rather to be people of fish, of dealing with the past so that we can get on with the important work of being fishers of men. Sometimes our relationships are based on past misunderstandings of Jesus. For example, um, there are those who think all it, me all it involves is just, as it were, agreeing to a statement. And maybe we've led to, been led to think of that. No, it's more than that. It's about showing it in practice. Some have, have the belief that uh, Christianity is uh, a private matter. It's only between me and God. That is a misunderstanding. Yes, it needs to be personal. But it's not private. Jesus says to Peter, feed my sheep. That's to be done in public. So maybe we have some misunderstandings from our past. Maybe we've had some bad experiences in our past. That means we need to put stuff to one side. And maybe some of those bad experiences have been about the church. My other grandma, uh, not the one I spoke about earlier, but my other grandma stopped going to church because of the way in which the vicar at the time of her husband's death dealt with her and spoke to her. It was a bad experience of the church which meant that it stopped her going to church. There may well be those of you watching today who have tried the church and had a bad experience and if that's you, I want to say to you, on behalf of the church, we're really sorry about that. But don't let your past experience determine what God has in store for you in the future. Future life, which God has for you. So we need to deal with our past. And we need to be able to come before God and humbly and in that very vulnerable moment offer ourselves afresh to him so that we can live in the future in his will and purpose. The second thing which I think it says to us is, do you love Christ? This is the ultimate question. This is the ultimate test. The question for Peter is not, do you believe in him? The question for us is not, do you believe in him? Do you agree with Jesus? Do you go to church? Do you love Midsummer Norton Methodist Church? That's not the question. The question is, do you love Jesus? It's a sad indictment that many people love the church more than they love the Lord. They have a love of power sometimes rather than the power of love. This has been at the great cost of not only the church but the kingdom over many years. The issue here is do you love Christ? Love requires the context of a relationship and commitment to operate. Jesus is asking here, do we have a relationship? And are you committed to that relationship? Because I certainly am. Do you love Jesus? 
and not just a cerebral agreement, but a heart response. We should be looking at that in a fortnight's time um, for Aldersgate uh, Sunday. And so the third thing which I think we can learn from this passage is that this love is to be expressed. Some of you may be old enough, I guess those of you in the care homes will remember this as well, in an old Sunday school song. It read something like this, Love is something, if you give it away, you'll end up having more. Um, unless, like the wedding couple, they express that love, the relationship then becomes stale and almost non-existence. Jesus here is not talking about that limited context. The call to serve and therefore fulfil his love is done in the context of the world. Peter's call to serve was, feed my sheep. Earlier Jesus had said, according to John in chapter 10, he said he was the good shepherd. And he said, I have other sheep that are not of this pen. I must bring them in also. For some of you this morning watching this live broadcast, you may not see yourself as Christians. You may not see yourself as one of Christ's sheep. But I want to commend to you this lifestyle this morning that Christ wants to just offer you this wonderful relationship of love so that you too can be part of, to use this rural illustration, his flock. And so how do we express God's love? The inspiration, remember, for our service is God's love. Our inspiration is not that we want to be do-gooders or whatever. And there's that, always that opportunity when people ask us, well, why are you doing this? Sometimes we sort of um, blur our words at that moment. It's an opportunity to say, well, God's been so gracious to me. I just want to share that with other people. And so Peter uh, is reinstated. You this morning can be reinstated into a good and loving relationship with Jesus so that he gives you the invitation as he does Simon in verse 19, the invitation to follow me. And I want to give you opportunity this morning to respond to that call, to deal with your past, to be able to say, yes, Lord. Uh, on the slide, can we just have the last one, please, Mark, the previous one. Um, I've sort of left a gap there, if you notice. I wonder how you respond there. Yes, Lord, you know that I... What word would you fill in on that? Don't just put love in because it's the right answer, and I've uh, spoken to you about that this morning. But this is your opportunity this morning, that if love hasn't been your word in there, this is your opportunity that you can put the word love into that sentence as a heart response to Jesus this morning.